Hey, this is Jacob Bergai, lead pastor at Field Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today to hear this message. You know, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I just believe that as you hear God's Word, that your faith is going to grow in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us, and for more information about Field Church, check us out, thefuelchurch.com. Have a great day. All right, we're ready for the word. Are you ready? Open up your hearts. We're in our series called Family Matters. We believe here at Fuel Church that family matters to God. Therefore, God should matter to family. Therefore, God should matter to family. So for this month, we've been talking about that subject. And if you were not here for the last two weeks, I encourage you, jump on our website, jump on our app, iTunes, all the avenues we have to listen to the messages and check them out. I will tell you that last week's message will be posted here in the next few days. We did have some technical difficulties, so you can grab that later on this week. But I want us to jump right into it. Judges chapter 2, Judges chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. If you have a Bible, get it out. If you don't, I got two big Bibles, one on your left and one on your right. Here we go. Judges chapter 2, it says this, verse 7, And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen, someone say seen, Seen. all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Judges chapter 2, verse 10, we skip down says this, after that generation died, after Joshua and his generation had passed on, another generation, someone say another generation, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord. Another translation says, did not know the Lord or remember the mighty things which he had done for Israel. We know that the Bible says that Moses had handed down something to Joshua when he had died. For 40 years, Moses was wandering in the wilderness, never got out, but Joshua was the one to lead the children of Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So we know that Moses handed down something. Moses did something right, but then Something happened when Joshua died. Something was dropped in the exchange to the next generation. My title today is this. It's in the form of a question, and it's this. What are you handing down to the next generation? Can we say that together? What are you handing down to the next generation? There are five generations alive right now. We have the silence generation at 71 years and up. Do we have anybody in here 71 years or higher? Is there anybody? We have some folk. Come on, give it up for the silent generation. Yeah. Next generation is the baby boomer generation. That's between the ages of 51 and 70. Where's all my baby boomers at? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Give it up for the baby boomers. There are 74 million of them, by the way. They were the largest generation ever in history until the millennials showed up, okay? Then we have Generation X. That's between the ages of 35 and 50. Who qualifies for that generation? Generation X, okay, all right. Give it up for all the Generation Xers. 
And then we have the millennials, and that's between the ages of 18 and 34. How many millennials do we have in here? Uh Uh-oh, they're going to be the loudest generation, I feel. And the millennials passed the baby boomers a few years ago, and they now have 75 million in their generation. So they're beating the baby boomers by 74, obviously, because some of the baby boomers have went on to the next life, okay? Then we have Generation Z. They're the newer generation. They're 17 and under. There are 23 million of them right now. How many Generation Zers do I have? Where are you guys at? Yeah, there's some young people here. Here we go. Give it up for them. Give it up for our young people. They said in the next decade or so that Generation Z will surpass the millennials and the baby boomers as the largest generation on planet Earth. So we have five generations, and every generation is just different. Someone say it's different. I mean, when dad was growing up, he had the hippie movement, right? Now we got the hipster movement. Same movement, it's just a little different, right? We just have our shirts longer, and our flannels look grungy, and you know our jeans are a little skinnier, and some of you can't fit in those skinny jeans yet, but you're working on it. You're working on it. I see you. And we grew out our beards, and we just, we're, we're the hipster generation. Amen? Every generation is different, and I find it very interesting in our text that there was something that didn't get handed down to the next generation. I love the Olympics. Does anybody love the Olympics? I love the Olympics, and one of my favorite events at the Olympics is the 4x4 relay. Does anybody like that? I love watching the USA win that. (laughs) They've had a 20-year winning streak, by the way, on that event. They've either won gold or silver on that gold for the last four years. But in the 4x4 relay, just to enlighten you on this, there is four runners. Some will say four runners. And each runner runs what is called his or her leg, which is a certain distance where the runner comes up to the next runner at a predetermined mark called the exchange zone. Someone say the exchange zone. Then the baton is handed to the next runner. As they reach back, it's placed in their hand, and the next runner runs his or her leg in the four-by-four race. These four people have practiced this relay countless times. The exchange is one of the most important parts of the four-by-four relay because if this baton is not handed off in the exchange zone, which is marked out a certain distance from when the one runner steps into the exchange zone, the baton has to be handed off to the next runner in that predetermined mark before they step out of that exchange zone. If not, the runners are disqualified. If this thing falls, the runners are disqualified. This is important. I heard a story about the 1996 Olympics. It goes like this. The first person ran their lap and gained a little bit lead, and they handed it off to the second person, and he ran his second lap and put more distance between their opponent, and he handed off to the third runner, and he gained a little more. But when it came to the exchange between the third runner and the fourth runner, The fourth runner jumped too fast 
and the exchange zone. Therefore, the third runner coming up could not hand it to him in time in order for him to be in that predetermined exchange zone. So therefore, they were disqualified from the race. The camera panned to the first two runners who were at their mark where they handed off, and when they seen it on the big screen, their heads just went straight down. They had ran their race, and they had done well. They had gained leads by each person handing off, but the last exchange went wrong, and it messed up the whole race for them. I believe, church, that the enemy's number one job is to get us to drop the baton of faith and legacy to the next generation. Yeah. Now, I'm going to preach this how I feel it, okay, today? So I may need the organ back up here in a hot second. I, I, just, I just believe that if he can get some generational tension in between us and get us not working together, then, then we risk the drop in the exchange zone. My question to you today is, what are you handing off to the next generation? As the church, we are entrusted to pass the baton of faith from one generation to the next. We should run our leg of the race so good that we hand it off better to the next generation, not worse. We're running our lap, not our race. Say, I'm running my lap. Each generation that we just talked about is running their lap. We're not running our race. We're just running our lap in the race. Stay with me. Stay with me. So whatever, whatever we hand off gets greater in the next generation. It multiplies in the next generation. Are we handing off faith and love and unity? Are we handing off acceptance? What standard are we, are we setting so they can build upon? I believe when I look at most families, we do a good job handing off busyness to our kids. Yeah. We do a good job handing off bad habits to our kids. We do a good job handing off no values to our kids. We do a good job handing off no God first life to our kids. But where is the faith? Where is the love? Where is the time for God in his house? See, I I believe, parents, that church should not be an option, but it should be a priority for our families. They say that when a child makes a decision as as a child to serve Christ, that that decision stays with them for the rest of their life. And though they may veer away from God and the things of God, that eventually they come back to that decision that they made at six and seven and eight and nine years old in children's ministry. What are we handing off to the next generation? Elijah handed down to Elisha. And he said, I'm going to hand the baton, but I'm going to hand it in the form of a double portion. Someone say double. Double. See, whatever I hand off multiplies to the next generation. If you're handing off anger, it's going to multiply in your kids. Oh, I can't get no help up in here. Organ's not working. I was hoping it was still on. (laughs) Come on, David, help me. Are we handing off this fighting and quarreling spirit in our house, between our spouse 
Is that, is that what we want our kids to take? Because they're taking something when they leave your house. Make no mistake about it. They are taking something. The question is, what are they taking? Are they taking doubt and unbelief because of our confession is so warped and so messed up because we're, 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 we're watching what the world is doing and we're speaking it in our houses. We're speaking doom and gloom to our kids and they're growing up in a house of fear, not faith. What are we handing off to the next generation is my question. Because whatever we hand off gets greater in the next generation. God is a generational God. He's a God of legacy. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If we had time, we could see that God multiplied through each generation. More cattle, more land was given to the next generation. Jesus said, greater works will you do. What do I want my son and daughters to pick up from me? What is it? When they leave, what do I want them to pick up from me? As I said, I love watching the 4 by 4 relay, and I love seeing the girls' USA team win this year, fourth time in a row. Allison Felix is a beast. That girl can run. Someone say she can run. Um, of course, my favorite, uh, uh, my favorite event at the Olympics was the girls' gymnastics because one of our youth won gold, Lori Hernandez. So I'm a little partial to that. But... Uh, by the way, catch her on Dancing with the Stars. She's tearing it up. She's going to win the gold ball or whatever it's called. And uh, we FaceTimed with her a few weeks ago with our kids and just had a great time with her. But we're so proud of her. She was one of our youth in, in New Jersey. But, but I, I noticed this. I noticed this, that in the 4x4 four four relay, when Allison was handing off to her teammates and so forth, that, that they didn't stop in the middle of, of the race and criticize one another. They didn't stop in the middle of race and say, I, I, I don't know about doing it this way. I don't know if we should do church this way anymore. I, I, I think it may be a little too loud on a Sunday morning. I, I, I don't know about these ripped jeans and spiky hair and skinny jeans. I, I, I don't know about all this. Do, you know, sh- should we be doing this? Listen, listen, friends, listen, friends. Each generation is different. Each generation sings different songs. They dress different. I mean, Dad, when you grew up, you had the bell bottoms, right? Those things were big, right? Like, you had a lot of room in there to swim, right? Now they went from bell bottoms to skinny jeans, where they're so skin tight, you can't even hardly walk in them. My God. So, so each generation is different, and I know this, the newer, the millennials, the Generation Z, I know that they like it loud, they like it crazy, they like wearing different clothes, and they got piercings and holes everywhere, but we just need to get off of style and appearance, and appearance and look at the fact that we only have a certain amount of time to exchange the baton of faith. Here's the reality. We need the voices of the baby boomers and the generation Xers. We need their voice. We need their wisdom to help these newer generations to transition. You see, either the church will mold the next generation or the world will. Which is it? We have an opportunity to mold these lives. The next generation is not the church of tomorrow, but they are the church of today. They are not sitting in the dugout. They are not on deck. They are in the batter's box. 35 decisions made for Christ last night. 35 lives changed because somebody in here believed in them enough 
to say we'll invest our time, our talent, and our treasure. I know the methods are different, but if we're going to reach them, we better start changing our methods. We better understand that something is so sacred that will not change, and that is our message. Our message is found in the person of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He still is the only way to salvation. He is the only one that can forgive our sins. And our message will never be altered. It will never be tainted. But our methods in reaching future generations must change. Either the church will evolve or it will dissolve. I read studies all the time and stats and it is showing alarming numbers of churches closing up. And the reason they're closing is what they say is because the churches that are inward focused all about themselves and all about its members and all about the way they want to do church are closing every single day. But the churches that are outward focused are worried about the next generation, are worried about the lost, and are creating spaces and places for unchurched and de-churched people to walk through their doors are exploding in alarming numbers right now. Which one are we? We have to evolve or we will dissolve. They say that the gospel is one generation away from extinction. They say if we don't reach them, that that, that that generation will grow up not knowing about Jesus. See, see, I don't want to hear the famous last words of the church. You know what they are? We never did it that way. Shops closed up, padlock on the doors, because we never did it that way. We never did it that way. We need, we need to start doing it that way. We need to start doing it. I can't get no help in here. You see, 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 we got to do something because 98% of 18-year-old church kids who are, grew up in church are going to college and never returning to the church. 98% of church kids are not returning. They did a survey and they said, they asked the next generation, why are you leaving the church in record numbers? And they said this, because we are tired of people calling themselves Christians on Sunday, but living a completely different life Monday through Saturday. This is what the millennials, the Generation Z has said about the rest of the generations. This is what they said. They said, there is no genuine faith anymore. People are fake, and we want authenticity. We want something real. We want something that we can grab a hold of. And they said, we're not finding it in the church. Now, I believe this. We can honor the past, and we can serve the future. I said, we can honor the past. And we can honor those who went before us in the future generations that built a foundation for us to stand on today. We can honor that. And I'm thankful for dad and mom that built a foundation, a legacy, so that we could build upon today. I tell my mom and dad all the time, you're reaping the fruit of the seeds you sowed for 26 years now. They never seen it this way, but now they're seeing it. And we wouldn't be here today if they didn't sow the seeds and labor and weeping and enduring and not giving up. We wouldn't see all this right here now. We wouldn't see the 35 saved. We wouldn't see 150-some salvation since January if they didn't sow the seed 
There's a time to plant and there is a time to reap. We are in a reaping season right now. But it's because someone went before us. And let me just tell you this. We did church the way some of us wanted to for years and it reached us. Now let's do church the way they want it and let's reach them. If you think about that, if you're generation X and higher, we did church the way you wanted it for years, right? And there were generations above you that said, ah, you know, we shouldn't bring drums into the service. What are all these lights? I feel like I'm at a disco. What's the smoke? Is someone chiefing out in the back? No, no one's smoking weed. That was just you this week. Oh, got someone. Gotcha, gotcha in the spirit. Holy Ghost was like, say it. Huh? And, and, and so, so we can honor the past, but we can serve the future. We're going to do church to reach the next generation and be effective. Well, Jacob, I, I just don't really think it takes all this. Okay? I think it takes all this and more. Uh, can't we just little take it easy? Do we really need to go to two services? And my feet are cold on this concrete and these chairs. I'm not sure about black chairs. Isn't that the color of Satan? No, no, no. That's not the color of Satan. Um, and this stage, it's, it's a little bigger. Do we need all the attention on the stage? And do we need all the lights and, and all that? And sh- sh- aren't we children of the light? And sh- why is it so dark out here? And, you know, we need light. And, you know, I just don't really think it takes all this. Let's just take it easy. No, we're not going to take it easy because I'm running my lap. I'm running my lap right now. And some of us are running my lap and I'm going to hand this on one day and I'm going to do the best to run my lap and hand on the baton of faith and love and hope and Jesus, a real relationship with Jesus, not religion to the next generation. No, we can't take it easy. Church, we do not want what's acceptable. We want what's exceptional. You say, why are we doing all this? Because we serve an exceptional God. Why did we invest $2,500 last night? Sounds like a crazy amount, right? Crazy amount of money out of our budget. Yep. Why did we do it? Because we wanted to put on an an event and experience for young people that they could say, man, that church did this with excellence. I mean, you should have seen it running. It was like a fine oil machine last night. Kids were walking in saying, this is about Jesus. I've never seen this before. I've never experienced the treatment I got. We're loving on the kids, hanging out with them, handing them stuff, giveaways and prize, and it was all free. We don't want... What's acceptable, we want what's exceptional. And if we're going to reach them, we're going to reach them with excellence. We're going to reach them with quality. We're going to reach them with the presence of God. We're not going to substitute those. I love Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Joel's speaking, and Peter's spoken in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, but I love this scripture. It says this, Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit, Upon all your people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Notice it doesn't say when you're old, you're done. 
I like to say it like this. If you're not dead, you're not done. You're not done handing off. You're, you're not done. Notice you go from vision to dreaming. Catch this. You go from vision to dreaming. There will be a transition from the vision stage to the dreaming stage. You see, you see, when I have vision, I see it and I do it with lots of energy. But when I have a dream, I see what's possible in the generation coming up behind me. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Catch this if you don't catch anything. Here's how he could have put this scripture. When old men stop dreaming, young men lose their vision. Oh, Jesus. When old men stop dreaming, young men lose their vision. You see, to the baby boomers and the generations before them, your season isn't over. You just transition into a whole new season. Watch this, watch this, watch this. See, see, my generation and the millennials and Generation Z, they need your dreams and they, they need you to see worth in us and they need you, they need you for their, the wisdom that you have and maybe you didn't accomplish it in your time, but you can accomplish it through them. Hmm? Think of it, think of it. If the person who handed the baton of faith to you would have dropped it, where would you be today? Where would you be? You never know how one person will affect the lives of thousands of people if you don't give up and you hand the baton of grace and love to the next generation. If you're not dead, you're not done. You see, there is somewhere where you've been that the next next generation needs to know about. There's a mountain you climbed that they're heading up. There is a problem you solved that they need the answer to. There is a victory you've had that they need to hear about. There are giants you killed that they need to see. Because the more you dream, the bigger our vision gets. The more you dream, the bigger our vision gets. The more you believe in us, the bigger our vision gets. We need all generations engaged. Judges 2, it said, another generation did not know the Lord. Joshua and his generation dropped the baton of faith to the next generation. They failed to tell their generation about the goodness of God. Now, church, church, listen, listen. I find it incomprehensible that after a life of great faith, after seeing countless miracles and having so many victories, that Joshua and his generation dropped it. They dropped it. Joshua, he was the one who led the Israelites into the promised land after 40 years of wandering. They had went from eating manna And asking the question, what is this, to eating the fruit of Canaan. They defeated the Amalekites after generations of battle with this huge army. By God's power, when they came to the Jordan River, it parted so they could go over. This is Joshua and his generation. The walls, they walked around at Jericho. They watched 
with their own eyes as God brought them down, you remember? They even witnessed their leader, Joshua, at the top of the mountain, commanding the sun to stand still, and they watched it freeze with their very eyes. But they failed to tell the next generation of how good their God was to them. Were they so busy defeating armies that they forgot to tell their children that it was the Lord who fought for them? Were they not purposeful in passing those stories on to their children? Did they not encourage their children to have an encounter with God for themselves? Maybe after many hard years of war, the parents dropped their guard completely. Dwelling in cities they had not built. Eating the fruit of the vineyards they had not planted. And somewhere in the middle of the promised land, the land of blessing, they got caught up in the blessing. Caught up. 40 years we struggled. 40 years of bondage. 40 years of slavery. Now we got the fruit of Canaan. Now we got a new car. Now we got a new house. Now we're living large and in charge. They got caught up and they didn't hand it down to the next generation. You say, I would never do what Joshua did. We are doing what Joshua did. We are doing what Joshua did. They, 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 they became so comfortable in the blessing, they forgot to tell the next generation of how we got here. See, we don't realize how blessed we are today. I said, we don't realize how blessed we are today. Do you remember what it was like before? Microwave ovens. Oh, come on. Someone go with me. I, I mean, I love microwave ovens. You throw a pizza in, it's cooked on the outside, but not the inside. <laughs> I mean, where would we be without microwaves? They're amazing invention. What, what, what about some of these young people don't know? I had to explain to my kids a few weeks ago. Do you remember what it was like before when we had council, council TVs? Some of you are like, what's that? Do you remember when you had to get up from the couch and change the dial on the TV? Yeah, I won't ask what generation you're in, but some of you remember. Uh, uh, what, what about cassette tapes? How many remember cassette tapes? And remember when the little, the, the little tapey thing would get all messed up and you would take a pencil and put it inside? and Yeah, and then sometimes if you were a, re- a real G, you'd take a piece of tape and tape it back together when it ripped and it still worked. Cassette tapes. What about VCR tapes? How many remember VCR tapes? Uh, how many remember uh, 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 the, the, the games you would blow on, the Nintendo? Was that Nintendo? Sega Genesis, something? Yeah, and if it didn't work, you just took it out. Put it in. If it didn't work, you took it out. How many remember that? Remember that? What about, what about when we had a phone? Isaiah, we used to have a phone that would be on the wall. In our kitchen. And it was called a dial-up phone. And you would take, put your finger in the number six and turn it. It was a lot of work. And then they had these long cords. And remember when you get caught up in conversation and you were in your kitchen baking cookies for your family and all of a sudden you're all tangled up in the cord? <laughs> remember what that was like? Remember what that was like? Uh, um, uh, how many remember that you couldn't get voicemail until you got home? Like, remember, like, until you get to work or home, like, hit press, press play on the voicemail. 
I remember mom and dad coming home. We come home, we press play, and it was a message they didn't want us to hear. And mom would be like, stop it, stop it, stop the message. Don't let them hear it, Rick. Don't let them hear it. Church people going crazy, wild on us. Anyway, that's for another time. That, that was some of you. We love you. Now we don't have home phones. Well, my neighbor, he, he, he's in the silent generation. I was talking to him the other day, and he said, my home phone. And I said, you have a home phone? He said, yeah, I actually do. I said, my kids wouldn't know what that was. Can I come over and show them that? <laughs> uh, remember what it was like when you go on vacation and you had to look at your kids instead of your, tele- instead of your cell phone? Oh, Remember what it was like when you actually had a conversation with your kids on vacation? But now we have a conversation with this. <laughs> you see, see, we are so blessed with all these blessings and this new technology that, that, that I think what's happened is we have pushed time out. Time out for the things of God. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, the numbers are alarming, friends. This is not something I'm making up. The numbers are alarming if we do not pass this off to the next generation. The church is one generation away from being extinct. We have to hand this off. You have to hand it off. (laughs) Remember when we had nowhere else to go in the week, so we went to church five days a week? Some of you remember that. Now it's just pulling teeth to get you here once a week. Come on, somebody. Church cannot be optional. It must be a priority. Say, well, my kids, they just don't want to get up in the morning. They just don't want to come, and they talk back to me, and they talk back. Last time I checked, I pay the bills around here. I buy the food around here. You, they, you don't have no say in if we go into church or not. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord whether you like it or not, whether you throw it up or not. We go into God's house. Get up. Pray healing over you and take some Tylenol, kids Tylenol. Let's go. We go into the house of God. We could say that God matters to our family. But here's the reality as I wrap up. It's this. We can say all we want. God, you're first in my life. You're first in my family. My my family matters to you, God. But revelation, listen to this, without application leads to no transformation. I'm going to say that again. Revelation without application leads to no transformation. But if you take revelation, if you take God's word with application, it will lead to transformation in your home, in your marriage, and with your kids. Let's not get so busy and so consumed with our lives that we don't have time for God. Let's remember that we're handing something off to the next generation. What is it that you're handing off? Oh, it's not just for your kids. What are you handing off? to your kids' friends. Some of you came last night, you don't have kids. Some of you are grandparents, you came last night. Some of you were handing off a smile. Some of you were just here and it meant so much to those kids that you'll never realize it. They've seen you here. They've seen the leaders here. They've seen the elders here. They've seen people here and, and to them, they're like, wow, they care about me because they're here. Hmm? 
Some of you, God is going to say, it's time to get involved. It's time to make a next step and be a teacher. It's time to make a next step and help out in some capacity of children's ministry, whether check-in or whatever it may be, and just be here. Just be in here. Makes the difference for these kids. Maybe it's getting involved in the youth ministry. Maybe it's saying, I'll give one Sunday a month to the youth ministry. I'll do it. I don't know what to say. Just, just show up. You don't got to say anything. You being in their presence makes a difference. You don't have to dress like them, talk like them. They want authenticity. Just be real with them. Don't try to be like them. Be real with them. That's what they want. They don't want you to try to be like them. They really don't want you to try to be like them, so don't. Just be you and be real about you and be real about your struggles and be real about this walk with Christ. And don't try to be fake and don't try to act like you're perfect and holier than thou. And don't put them down for their dress and their appearance and their music. And just love on them. What are you handing down to the next generation? You're handing down something. And I don't know about you. I want to run my leg of the race. And I want to hand this off in good hands. And I want to hand it off greater than ever before. And I want to be able to say that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Three generations, God says. I work in three generations. I want to be able to pass the baton of faith and see it multiplied and see the next generation go on to do greater things. Someone say greater things. Greater things. Greater things. You see, every member of that relay race is equally important. Yeah. Every member is so important for that team to win the gold and for them to be standing on that podium with the victory. I see in the Bible that Paul, he ran his lap and he handed off to Timothy. Successful exchange. See, Moses, he ran his lap and he handed off to Joshua. Successful exchange. I see Elijah, he ran his lap and he passed it on to Elisha. And a double portion hit. Question today, will you run your lap? And when you hand it off, in the exchange zone to the next generation. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer, mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you, find a good local church. If, if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.